A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by One United Bank, America's largest black owned bank and first black internet bank. One United Bank is leading an exciting new charge and encouraging us all to think about ways to make Black history now. Through our spending, our impact, our activism, and our legacy. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. With the right mindset and actions, we can be financially woke. When we unite the power of our dollars, there's no limit to what we can do. One United believes that money is power and we can use it to build wealth in the Black community, not only for today, but for the future as well. Move your money and bank Black with One United Bank today. Visit OneUnited.com to learn more. Sweet us let us know when you open up an account so we could celebrate with you. Hey, 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 we're back. Another episode of Job Logs. Hi, it's Joy Marie here. And Courtney. New episodes on the 1st and the 15th. We're back from a little summer break, summer hiatus. We yes. hope you guys got some good R&R in. Came back refreshed. Mm-hmm. But coming up, we're rounding out our amazing year of financial literacy episodes with One United Bank with a special two-part series on debt, credit card debt, emotional spending triggers, how to really sort of face and address it to ultimately thrive and live our best financial lives. So stay tuned. We have some really great guests lined up for you. For sure. But first, as always, we're clocking in. Um, this is the part of the show where we just check in on each other, catch up on what's going on um, in the world of business, politics, and each other. So make sure you're doing that with your own crew. Absolutely. Courtney, how you doing? I'm doing really well. What's new? Wait, when did we last? It's been like, what, like a it's month a and a half? It's yeah. been a minute. It's been a summer. So what's happening? <laughs> I'm all good. We kind of all reconvened after crazy schedules recently, all mm-hmm. the girls. So it was really nice. And you know, I have to say, I'm inspired by my friends. Aww. And just, I feel like we're all in a similar place where we're just really interrogating how we live life. And for me, that looks like, I've just discovered that keeping a temperature is what my therapist and I call mm. it. But it's just like there's an equilibrium that I've come to expect or really work to preserve where it's mm. just like things are calm, orderly, I have control of what's going on. And I'm starting to really like question like that equilibrium I've made for myself. Like, is it even serving me anymore? Mm. Is there room to have a little mess, a little surprise? Mm. So swing the pendulum. You know, <laughs> not, not not too far. Not too far. <laughs> you know, just a not little sprinkle, a little pepper. Okay. 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 So I think that's where my head's at. Just like not going with the status quo so much. Mm. What about you? I mean, pause, rewind. Okay. What, like, so, I mean, are you just, like, spicing it up or just being open to new things? I think it's being open to new things and also instead of just kind of, I think it's questioning myself a little bit more mm-hmm. in a good way. I mean, I always said I was a very instinctual person. Yeah. But I think part of that is a little bit of control. It's yeah. kind of me dictating how things are should happen yeah. are supposed to happen so instead of just going with my first reaction it's a little bit of like taking a, a pause and like is this like, yeah which we're really going for right now? i really believe in seasons too and things that have maybe served us for past mm. seasons to get us to this point sometimes it's time to like enter a new season and yeah. that requires sort of new actions and new mindsets of us yes. as well so 
we are on the same page, yes, but I am happy to contribute to some of that pushing you <laughs> off the cliff and in a fun direction if you're open. Oh my God, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what about you? Because I've heard a little bit about someone's boundaries, but you know, oh, tell the yes. people. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, I feel like actually I relate to what you just said a lot because I think it's the same for me where maybe I did too much of the passion-filled, mm. like, following my risks and sort of um, entering a bunch of spaces and thinking about sort of impact and community and just, like, doing all these things, like, for myself, yes, but for others, mm. with others, where now the season I'm entering in is the opposite, where it's, like, learning to put up more boundaries nice. um, for myself, not even for others and how they interact with me, but just, you know, one example we talk a lot about is social, but... Literally muting and unfollowing, not even accounts that, like, are cringeworthy, but just, like, I just feel so focused on, like, things that feed my spirit, yeah. fuel my spirit for this season. And if they don't do that, if it's more for entertainment, that's fine, but I'm putting it in a different bucket and kind okay. of protecting my time and protecting my mind and how much I expose myself to that type yeah. of stuff. And then also just people's access to me, like— I have become the queen of do not disturb or, you know, people will hit me up and I got the read. I leave them on read, but I'm like, <laughs> I saw it. I'm alive, but like I can't get to yeah. this thing right now. Um, I've become like very intentional both in how I interact with others and what I expect of others in terms of like, say, hello, how are you doing? What's going on before yeah. like dumping my update or yeah the thing that I was, like, dying to hit you up about to tell you about yeah. um, on you. So, Have you had any guilt around that as you set these new boundaries? Um, Not so much guilt as I can see the way it shifts how people interact with mm -hmm. me. Okay. I don't want to say I'm willing to lose those relationships, but I'm willing to allow people to Change. feel a type of way. Like, mm. that's fine. Um, and I think I've been pretty transparent with everyone around, like, those boundaries and just kind of how I'm sort of changing in my life. And again, it's like, it's not even from a place of, like, oh, I'm right or, you know, you hitting me up is, like, the wrong thing to do. It's just, like, this is a space I'm in. Yeah. And I just, like, for me, I know what distracts me. Mm -hmm. I know what doesn't serve me. And I just have to cut it. And I yeah. am the only one that's responsible for that. Like, yeah. I can't expect other people to know that for me yeah. or to do it for me. And people will deal with a lot. Like, we walk on eggshells. Yeah. But people <laughs> will be like, what can they do but say, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, 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 you know, and I apologize to my friends if I haven't been as available. Mm -hmm. But I will be. Like, I yeah. think I, it does feel like a season. Nice. Yeah. But I will be, you know, I'll be back in the game, back in the mix. But right now, I just got to figure out, like, what serves me for kind of this period of like intense focus that I'm in. But anyway, yes. on to some lighter things. Yes. <laughs> lighter fare. I mean, it's lighter, but also I'm <laughs> raging a bit because uh, <laughs> on the way here we passed. I'm starting to pass these ads all the time and it's infuriating to me. And it was perfect for this episode, actually. So I'm glad we're talking about debt mm -hmm. because there's a new game show coming out. It's called Paid Off. Mm -hmm. And it's a new Family Feud style trivia show where three contestants go head to head competing to be the smartest and fastest earning money for their student loan debt. What? So they introduce themselves with their name, Alma Modern Student Loan Debt Balance. 
Mm-hmm. And they created this in the wake of 44 million Americans, a 1.4 trillion in student loans, and the average debt, uh, well, the average monthly payment for someone aged 20 to 30 is 350 dollars a month. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But I'm just like, what in the capitalist dystopia are we doing? (laughs) We have these predatory loans, and now it's like, yes, we're going to sell ad space so you can watch other people compete (laughs) (laughs) in mental gymnastics to pay off these loans. Wait, so the winner of the show gets their loans paid off? I mean, I don't think it's the completely paid off, unless it's like a Moneyball, like, big shot I mean, what's the URL again? Listen, girl. It's not right, though, it's real that you're here. even no. thinking about this. I know, I know. That's sick, and that's sad. And the fact that, like, we're trivializing that as entertainment right. when real people's Big lives are going right. Yeah. And it comes off the same day. Well, it comes off uh, recent news that Seth Frotman, he it was the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau student loan watchdog. He just stepped down today mm. um, saying that Betsy DeVos and the current administration have turned its back on young people and their financial futures, mm. favoring financial companies and for-profit colleges. Can you imagine? So he's stepping down in protest. Feeling that compelled, <laughs> like that sickened by the system that you're like, actually, no, this is wrong and I can't. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. Scammers. Truly. It will truly be the theme of these episodes. Truly. I can't. All right, so we're really excited about this conversation today. We are going to unpack some heavy stuff around credit, around debt, but it's all to empower us and to make sure we're set up for a great financial future. Safe space. Yes. So to that end, we are thrilled to have you, Pamela Kapalit, in the studio with us. Hi, Pamela. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Pamela is a certified financial planner. She's a financial counselor who's been in the industry since 08. She founded Brunch and Budget to help people who feel ashamed or embarrassed about money really have a safe and friendly space to make real financial progress. That is what we're going to be doing today. (laughs) We are diving right in. Um, Her mission, again, is to make financial planning as affordable as possible for communities who need it the most. Pamela, I need it the most. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Oh, my gosh. Let's get into it. I feel like, you know, many of us graduated just starting from college with Mm -hmm. um, student loans. We ran up credit cards. Some of us may have, you know, signed up for a credit card with the offer of a free Subway sandwich. You don't want to get (laughs) Burritos at my school. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we're entering our adulthood with debt. So it's already sort of like it feels like a negative starting point. Yeah. How do we keep that from getting out of control and, and kind of balancing that with real things that we need to invest in, real debt that we need to sort of incur moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I think the first thing to think about, because the thing I think that's frustrating, first of all, student loan debt just passed $1.5 trillion in May Mm. 2018. So it's a real ass problem. (laughs) It is no joke. And people will walk out of college with an average of $37,000 of student loan debt. So like Mm. you said, it is already, you're starting in the negative in a sense, right? And then you may have taken out credit cards in college to supplement whatever the costs were and things like that. And so it feels like that you're starting behind when you graduate, right? And I think the first thing to really think about is to change your mindset around debt. I think that one, we're told that we should be ashamed of it, that we should get rid of it as fast as possible, that it was a mistake. And I like to think of debt as you can either feel like that you are in debt or you can feel like that you have debt. 
Mm-hmm. And when you feel like you're in debt, it it's kind of takes, uh, you take it on as your identity. Yeah. And it weighs on you and it becomes this burden on you versus having debt, which means that it's this thing over here that you can figure out how to handle and how to take care of. I think that's the first thing is to really stop feeling ashamed about it. Stop feeling embarrassed about it. You know, you are not alone in this. Yeah. I think that's the first thing. And when it comes to student loan debt, let's tackle that first. Okay. Um, student loan debt, one thing is that the federal government, especially if they're federal loans, have a ton of forgiveness programs, income-driven repayment programs that you can get on. So when you're first out of college and you get the entry-level job and you get hit with that first student loan bill, you look at it and you're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford this, right? And so what you can do is you can call your student loan servicer and tell them like, hey, this is how much money I make. Can you put me on one of those income-driven repayment programs? And those are the magic words, right? So ask about revised pay as you earn is one of them. Pay as you earn is another one. Income-based repayment. They all have different caps on what your payment is based on income. And they also, this might sound like a long time, but 20 to 25-year forgiveness periods. And so there's lots of options for you, especially when you're first starting out to not be so saddled with student loan payments that you feel like you can't save and you can't pay off your other debt. Yeah. Nice. So what about the people who are kind of trying to put their head in the sand about this? And they're like, I'm just not going to deal with it. It feels overwhelming, whether it's student loan debt or credit card debt. Mm -hmm. What's like that first step? What are their options that they have? Yeah, I feel like the first step for anyone, and I feel like that this is... This is difficult if you do have a lot of shame around it is to really just know where everything is before you even start trying to strategize or read blogs to look up tips or anything like that is to just get an idea of where it is and get comfortable with looking at it and being aware of it. There's no rush to pay it off. You've already not been paying it off for a while. So Mm -hmm. a couple more months of you kind of getting to know it and getting used to it is a really good place to start. And then I would start with knocking off things like student loan debt. So start with getting the payment lowered for student loan debt, for instance, Mm -hmm. if you can. If you're like, wow, this is something that I've been ignoring because I've just been so afraid of it. Start with that um, because that will be an immediate relief. You can just get on a program. There are situations where clients are paying $10,000, on their student loans because compared to what they're making versus their student loan debt, that payment is going to go down to $0. Yeah. And so the thing that you may be hiding from, you can find immediate relief from. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you if you look at the credit card debt next, I think that's the thing that we tend to feel most embarrassed about. Mm. We're like, oh my God, I can't believe I bought all that stuff. I don't even have it. I don't remember. I bought this computer five years ago. I don't even have it. Why am I still paying for it? Yeah. All of that kind of stuff is a reality. And it's all the kind of stuff that we kind of repeat in our heads. And so the thing with the credit card debt to figure out is, are you still using credit cards? Is it something where you're ignoring the debt, but you're still using the credit cards? Because the first thing to do might just be to stop using credit cards, have a baseline for like, okay, this is the max amount of debt I'm going to have today and going forward. And every point from then on, the debt is going to go down, whether it's you just paying the minimum, because I know... I'm a financial planner and I'm also a human being Um, (laughs) and I have gotten into loads of credit card debt. And it happens so fast. It always yeah. does. So it's fast. It's just like yeah. one flight ticket and there exactly. you go. Exactly. <laughs> one flight ticket, one like one month where you're like, whoa, I had no idea I went out to dinner that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and then you're like, okay, well, I'll just pay off this debt with my next paycheck because I'm supposed to pay off my bill 100% all the time, right? That's what we're told. And then you pay off the bill with your next paycheck and then you don't have any money. So you're like, crap, I guess I have to use, use my, my credit, credit card, card again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is kind of 
of how the debt cycle continues. It happens that quickly and it happens that subtly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so do not feel bad if that's what happened to you because then it can just feel like it's snowball. So what you need to do and what I usually advise people to do is to first, it may sound weird, but if you're throwing extra money at the debt, just stop doing that. Mm. Make the minimum payment and stop using your credit card. So that way, like, that is done. You're making the minimum payments. You're not hurting your credit score because you're making the payments on time. And you're getting yourself out of the habit of using the credit card. Yeah, because what? Because basically then what you're doing is putting all your extra money, your bonus checks, your tax refund on your debt, having no money, and then turning to your credit card as an emergency fund. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. That's such a good way to put it because I feel like we're also told before you do anything else, pay off your debt. Don't save. Don't build a nest egg. Don't put any money in your 401k. Like, don't right. build an emergency fund. I actually had a client. This is really great because I usually advise clients to as much as they're paying down debt to figure out how to also save at the save, same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of clients actually are resistant to that. They're like, wait a minute, but why would I put money in a savings account when I have all this debt that I can pay yeah. off that's accumulating interest and all of this stuff? And I had one client who had this great insight where he said, oh, this savings account is like me giving myself a 0% interest credit card. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Next time you need to buy a plane ticket, right. go to your savings account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think that pay the minimums that's probably the first step is stop using the credit card pay the minimums and if you don't have any savings start building a savings account we just learned this stat last year that came out that the average emergency in america is four hundred dollars it costs four hundred dollars and one out of two americans cannot cover that emergency wow yeah yeah so if you don't have four hundred dollars in your savings account have that be your goal before you even start paying off debt yeah have five hundred dollars be your floor before you start paying off debt and then start looking at strategies like the debt snowball refinancing to personal loans balance transfers and i'm totally happy to go into all of that but the first step is really like stop accumulating it yeah when you think about a credit score because Mm -hmm. there's so much attached to that how do you prioritize what elements of that debt to focus on or what strategies to focus on to start to improve that score if it's in a really bad place? I mean, should improving that score be the priority or is it, to your point, like getting the debt down? Like, how do you start to think about that? Yeah, getting the debt down will start to improve your score, actually. And even just making sure you make the payments on time will stabilize your score. So when it comes to credit scores, the two biggest factors are, are you making your payments on time? Because a late or a missed payment will stay on your credit report for an obscenely seven Mm. years amount of time. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's like, wait, I just missed my payment by 31 days and it's going to affect me for seven years. That doesn't make sense. But that's the reality, right? So at the very least, I usually recommend like set up auto pay for your minimum payment because for the most part, you can cover that. And you know you'll never be late even if you're traveling, even if you miss a date, whatever it is. Um, And so that is 35% of your credit score Mm. is not having a late payment. So that's a huge chunk. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Thank you. 
the other there's another 30% of your credit score that is the balances that you have on your score on your on your actual credit card so there's mm. two kinds of debt that they look at there's revolving debt and there's installment loans and so revolving debt are things like credit cards lines of credit all of that installment loans are things where you're like okay I'm gonna borrow this amount of money and I'm just gonna pay it down until it's gone right, right. student loans auto loans personal loans mortgages you're like this is the amount of money I'm gonna borrow and that's it revolving debt you're like balance up balance down pay yeah. some of it off keep some of it up all yeah. of that and so revolving debt actually affects your credit score more than installment loans so like your student loan debt that you're paying on time, they don't care how big it is. They don't care how much it is. They just care that you're making that payment on time. Gotcha. With revolving debt, this also doesn't really make sense, but it's the rule. For whatever your limit is, if you go over 30% of your balance, then your credit score gets affected negatively. So mm. that means, yeah, if you have a $1,000 credit limit, if you have more than $300 balance on the card that's reported, then it dings your credit score. And that's, I mean, that's something like a lot of us have to unlearn because I definitely mm-hmm. was of the school of thought of like, if I have a $5,000 limit, I'm using 4500 <laughs> right. of it because that's how much money I have. Right. Well, because why would they give it to you? Right. They don't want you to use all of it. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. So really kind of unlearning that and keeping mm-hmm. it low so that you always have that flex. Um, and yeah. then one thing I've I've learned too is like once you get in the habit of being on time, you can sometimes call and increase that credit limit. So that's, yes. I mean, I don't know your thoughts on that, but yeah. so that that 30% window is larger for you and you're still operating within yeah. that versus the full credit limit. I love that strategy. So that will affect your credit score negatively in the short term mm-hmm. because they will do a hard check if they don't automatically mm. pre-approve you for the gotcha. increased credit limit. But if you're a great customer and I have a client who does this every six months, Mm. you know, and her credit limit just keeps increasing and it affects your score negatively for a little bit. But because you didn't open a new card and because in the long run, that debt to income or that debt to credit limit that you're talking about, it's called a credit utilization ratio that continues to that continues to get lower, even though you're spending the same amount of money on it. So I think that's a really great strategy. And you brought up an interesting point before we started recording just about the inherent bias of credit scores I would love for you to speak to just because I feel like so many of us we feel like we're responsible people even if we've made some mistakes financially and it's like why isn't this credit score like I'm paying these bills on time why is my credit score moving right Pam drop it on us (laughs) (laughs) so I've been learning a lot about the history of credit scores and how they work I also teach hip-hop and finance workshops for youth Mm. and when you explain a credit score to a 17 year old that's when you realize how screwed up the system is because they're Mm. like that can't be the rule that doesn't even make sense right Mm -hmm. and so I I have a partnership with the racial wealth divide initiative at prosperity now and there's a lot of conference topics um, around credit and what I've learned is credit scores are designed to penalize people of color and poor people, Mm. period. Because if you think about it, payments to your utility bills that are on time and made in full do not count towards your credit score positively or negatively. Rent payments do not count towards your credit score positively or negatively unless you get evicted or unless your utility bill goes to collections. But the other crazy thing is your landlord checks your credit score before you rent. 
Your cell phone company checks your credit score to decide what kind of deal they're going to give you. Your employer checks your credit score to decide if they want to give you the job because you're responsible or not. But all the things that you're supposedly being responsible about, right? Paying your bills on time, paying your rent on time, keeping a roof over your head. Why doesn't that count towards your credit? It's all a scam. It's all a scam. Throw the whole thing away. Yes, exactly. People are trying to do that. I'm so ready for it. But I mean, I think that's the takeaway is like knowing the system is really designed for failure. Yes. And to get milk you of your money because we didn't even get into interest. I mean, that is like totally working against you. I think it requires just that much more diligence and like being on top of it and being responsible. Right. And kind of coming out on the winning side of credit. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like understanding the rules of this game is really important. And even like little tips like you gave about like increasing your credit limit and calling to increase that, you know, making the automatic payments on time and things like that. You can you can set up a system where you are winning the debt game. Yeah. You just know the rules. Yeah. Right. Or even calling to lower your APR. I've done that. I mean, yeah. it's gone down marginally. But um, I think also people think they have to sort of take what's given to them. So even mm-hmm. with your credit score, I've like written the bureaus and gotten things removed or worked yeah. with um, yes. a service to do that. And a lot of people aren't aware you can. In some cases, you can't. But, you know, if something's going to be on your credit report for seven years, like look into how you can get that taken off. Totally. Google Goodwill Letter. Um, And that will give you a lot of great templates on how to do that. That's really great that you've done that, too. So how can we make this a lifestyle? Like, how can we change the way we deal with money, the way we deal with credit cards just in our daily lives so that we're not digging ourselves in this hole or we're just helping ourselves improve? Yeah, for sure. I think that one of the things to really figure out is, so yes, you have debt to pay down. One, keep in mind that it can be temporary. Mm. You know, it's something that you've incurred. It's not a mistake. Debt is not good or bad. Do not place those, you know, those qualifiers on it. I feel like it's something that happened and something you have to take care of now. And so one thing that I recommend is to figure out how much debt can you afford to pay down every single month. It's not about throwing as much money as you can. Like, do not put your whole tax refund towards your credit card payment, like you were saying. Like, oh, gosh. Do not I put won't windfall. do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. too late. Because <laughs> then what happens? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's okay. There's always next year. And that's the thing, too. There's always next year, right? Yeah. And so figure out what debt pay down amount you can actually fit into your budget and then forget it. Set the actual payment and don't worry about it again. Don't throw extra money towards it. It will be gone in the time frame that you figured out, right? You strategized. You figured out the timeline, the end. Do not put more energy towards it. And I think that's the first that thing. That is such like a rework yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. I know because we live in such a like get debt free culture. Yeah. Debt is oppressing you. But I really like that mentality, especially if you're refocusing that energy into your savings, because yeah. that's been a sh- I've never been a saver. And now that probably in the last year or so I've become one, it's like mm. so nice to be able to go there instead of my credit and like have that money available. Yeah. And then you can start to get really fancy and, you know, put that plane ticket on your credit card to get the points and exactly. pay it off and immediately. Pay it right back. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like yes. imagine getting to that point one or two years when the debt is paid off, right? Yeah. And so I feel like that reworking, like you said, of that mindset of like, oh, I just have to get rid of it. I have to get rid of it. I I was I remember telling another client this and she was so resistant to it. And I asked her, so how many years have you had your debt? And she said, I've had it for 11 years because that's what happens. You're constantly focusing on it. So it constantly keeps existing. Mm. Right. 
So if you just like set up that system and forget about it and know that that system is in place, then all of your extra money can go to savings, the tax refund, the bonus, the windfall, the third paycheck, you know, in that three paycheck month (laughs) and go to savings. Yeah. And so that way you see the savings build up and that's what you end up focusing your energy on. And then you become like you've identified yourself as a saver. You call yourself a saver. How awesome is that? Yeah. I love. But we know that like all debt isn't bad debt or at least it's not all debt is branded as bad debt. Yeah. So there's like mortgages, small business loans that we associate with getting to the next level. So how do I know like maybe I've got like post-traumatic stress about going through this debt issue Mm -hmm. and I get to a good place. But how do I know that I'm really ready to kind of take on debt um, to get to the next thing? Is that right for me? Right, for sure. I think that when it comes to something like a mortgage, one, I feel like they were all also told like buying a house is a good investment. Yeah. Put your money in a house. Like that's really what a grown up does is they own a home. Right. And the reality is it's only a good investment if you can keep it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's not a good investment if you have to sell it in five years because the market's underwater and you can't keep the mortgage payments up. Ultimately, a mortgage payment at the end of the day is still something that you have to pay into. And again, I want to say it's not good debt or bad debt. It's just can you handle the mortgage payment itself? That makes sense for you based on your goals, I think. That's perfect. Exactly. Yeah. So does this debt make sense for you to take on? If the mortgage payment, the private mortgage insurance, the property taxes, the uh, homeowner's insurance, all the costs of maintaining a home are more than your rent and more than when Mm. you look at the numbers you feel like you can handle— it might not make sense to buy a house right now. Right. And that's totally okay. Love. All right. Well, Pamela, this has been a really informative session. I feel like I'm definitely walking away with a lot of notes that I can apply just to my mentality, I think, around mm-hmm. money and around debt. Um, so, you know, want to just plug anywhere our listeners can connect with you and kind of follow the great work that you're doing. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So I also have a podcast. Um, our podcast is focused on personal finance and racial economic inclusion. Love so that. Yeah. Thank you. So we talk a lot about how personal finance affects people of color specifically in a lot of our shows. Um, and you can find that on iTunes. It's called Brunch and Budget. Um, it's on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, brunchandbudget.com slash podcast. And I'm also on Instagram. You can see all the pictures of my delicious brunches at Brunch and Budget. (laughs) And we also have, and I also meet with people for brunch. So you can schedule a brunch. The the fee is pay what you can plus provide the meal just to keep it as affordable for pos- as possible for anyone. And we also have a new program that we started last December called Dead Day Job Army, which mm-hmm. is specifically group financial planning for people of color. Because wow. about half of my one-on-one clients are people of color, and I found that I had to plan for them differently. Mm. We're more likely to have student loan debt. We're more likely to be first-generation college students. Yeah. We're more likely to be the first to graduate. We're more likely to be the first one to have a professional job. We have different family obligations. Yeah. We're usually giving back a generation instead of being the ones to inherit. Okay. Right. So right. there's there's a lot of different planning that goes into, you know, those that demographic and to people of color. So we started a group financial planning program just to make it more affordable and to also help people of color build generational wealth. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you, Pamela. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I loved it. <laughs> All 
right, now it's time for Ask Job Logs. This is our favorite segment of the show where we get to address your listener questions. As always, you can hit us up at joblogs.com slash askjoblogs. Drop a letter in our inbox. We'll address your conundrums, questions, thoughts, feedback. Hit us up. All right. So we have a letter from a listener that says, Hello, ladies. I graduated from college this past May, and in two weeks, I start my career as an engineer for a defense technology company. I want to excel. I want to make connections. I want to make an impact, you know, just like everyone else. However, I want to make sure I do all these things while still remaining myself. My friends and peers would describe me as an outspoken and, in general, a very matter-of-fact person. I interned with this company before receiving my full-time offer and found myself in what I call an authenticity crisis. I became a bit quieter. I wouldn't share my ideas, thoughts right away. And I felt like I rehearsed every sentence that came out of my mouth. I wanted to make sure everything I did and said had purpose and I maintained a certain image. I am no longer the intern, so I want to present myself as knowledgeable, confident, and strong. Any advice? I hope I make sense. Yeah. I thought that made a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we all go... Definitely, like, some of us. Like, mm-hmm. some of us. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I can completely relate to that. What about you? For sure. And I think it's a big jump from intern yes. to full-time employee. Yeah. So, and I think people will interact with you very differently. So you may be able to kind of take your cues from that as well. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, bless the interns. It's like, I'm yeah. kind of focused. <laughs> right. <laughs> Internships are definitely an extended sort of trial period. Right. I wouldn't even call it a trial because it's like interns. You're are, not working. You're almost like, yeah, yeah no one's like checking small. for you yeah. until you prove yourself. Right. So I think it's perfectly natural to sort of operate, you know, on your best behavior, try to make a good impression. Um, I hope that you still were able to come across and elements of your awesome personality were still able to shine through. But I think it's okay that you were kind of like scripted and because mm-hmm. it's such a finite period of time. Definitely. Advice for like fo- focusing on bringing yourself into kind of that full-time role. Like how do you start to sort of step into who you are still maintaining your professionalism if if you feel like the two are kind of at conflict? Well, I think you have to find confidence in the fact that you were hired from Mm. being an intern. So someone saw something in you. And I think kind of one way to do it is focusing on one-to-one relationships, not thinking about it like, oh, I have to prove to everybody here that I am this. It's like just connecting with people on a personal level and building those relationships as an equal and not as the intern, I think will kind of build your confidence as well. Yeah, and I think definitely, like, proving your worth in your work and, like, making sure you have advocates that can always speak to that. Like, that's the given here. But then moving beyond that, I mean, I think it's great to bring your personality where you can when talking about weekend plans, travel Mm -hmm. plans, like... You know, if there are ways to spice it up, I think people who are sort of extroverted and humorous have it easier in the workplace. But, you know, where you can just kind of show your interest, show who you are um, in collaborative or team settings, like kind of let that personality shine through. Definitely don't suppress it because that's, again, why you are hired and what people want to see from you. Yeah, so definitely speak up. Ask people questions, like, about their work and just find means of connection that way, too. Like, don't be passive at all about it. Yeah, and if you're worried about the matter-of-fact piece sort of coming off as, like, 
I don't know, aggressive or assertive. I think people love a good, a strong POV. Like, they love a, a strong perspective. They like people who are knowledgeable. Just make sure you don't do that at the expense of, like, other people's mm-hmm. voices. But I think it's okay to be assertive and be, like, I'm matter-of-fact, as long as you're not being rude or disrespectful. Yeah, and just be cognizant of other people, like, have their react. Because you can always pivot. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> like you can always adjust course to fit into the culture as you go. But right. don't try and filter yourself so much in the onset. Like, you can tweak. As you go. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And so much thanks to our guest, Pamela Kapalid from Brunch and Budget. Yes, and many thanks to our longstanding sponsor, One United Bank, America's largest Black-owned bank. If you enjoy this episode and are looking for more resources to encourage you on your financial journey, head over to oneunited.com. And be sure to follow them across the web at, at One United on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. As always, you can connect with us around the web at Jawblogs or Jawblogs.com. I'm Cleve Out Loud most places. I'm Hamas Parker. See you later. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.